Welcome to Lit Poetry, the podcast where we go on a journey of discovery, reading, analyzing, and discussing great poetry from around the world. Poetry is worth it because the reading and writing of poetry is a revolutionary act that has the potential to transform both the reader and our world. Welcome to the Lit Poetry Podcast Season 1. I'm James Laidler, Australian poet and writer and your host. Today we'll be forging language into shape, hammering out questions about the problem of evil in our world and mounting our ironclad certainties down within the crucible of life. Welcome to the world of William Blake and his famous poem, The Tiger. This poem so full of musicality, will be very familiar to many of you. This is an incredibly complex and deep poem, far more layered and sophisticated than it may seem on first impressions. So let's enter the workshop of discovery together, open the bellows of our minds, and get ready to fan the flames of wisdom burning within us to a higher level. Let's burn the whole place down. May I present to you The Tiger by William Blake, read to you by the very talented Simon Jackson. The Tiger by William Blake. Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? In what distant deeps or skies burned the fire of thine eyes? On what wings dare he aspire? What the hand dare seize the fire? And what shoulder and what art could twist the sinews of thy heart? And when thy heart began to beat, what dread hand and what dread feet? What the hammer, what the chain, in what furnace was thy brain? What the anvil, what dread grasp, dare its deadly terrors clasp? when the stars threw down their spears and watered heaven with their tears. Did he smile his work to see? Did he who made the lamb make thee? Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night, what immortal hand or eye dare frame thy fearful symmetry? So I want to start this podcast by considering carefully the historical context in which William Blake lived. Born in 1757, Blake passed away in 1827 and during the course of his life he lived through both the times of the French Revolution and the American Revolution. Now this is a very interesting political milieu that he was born into and it certainly informed his life and work. 
huge technological changes took place throughout his lifetime. And in particular, England was rapidly going through a process of rapid industrialization, and he was disturbed by what he saw. Throughout this period, there was a huge influx of population from the country to the city. And a lot of work was getting shifted into the terribly oppressive conditions of factories where kids, sometimes as young as six, were working in weaving factories for as long as 19 hours a day. These were atrocious conditions and these realities affected Blake deeply. Indeed, Blake saw these events as diabolical. In fact, many of Blake's poems meditate on the changes brought about by rapid industrialisation. As a result, his poetry reflects his growing concern about what factory work was doing to human beings and their outlook on life. Responding to this historical context, Blake was motivated to question the status quo and those in power and to also give voice to people trying to survive on the margins of society. The poem The Tiger was published in 1794 in a volume of work called Songs of Experience. It also has a companion poem, which was written five years earlier called The Lamb. And one of the things that Blake was really known for is playing with binary opposites, dualities if you will, black or white extremes, the tiger and the lamb for instance. The poem of The Lamb explores the purity, grace and innocence of this creature the lamb, which according to Blake was breathed into life by the imagination of God. When we get to the tiger, however, we get a poem that is much more dark and disturbing. A poem that looks at the question of what a tiger actually is and how a loving Christian God could possibly create such a creature. Painter, printmaker and engraver. William Blake was a very versatile artist, but he wasn't well recognised throughout his life. Indeed, his work shot to prominence in the years after his death. Blake was also a deeply religious man, raised in a non-conformist home, largely self-educated, but well-read. Blake was beset with visions and dreams, nightmares even, and these visions informed and inspired his work. These religious experiences, when combined with the political ferment of his time, made his work rich and challenging. Blake's rebellious streak, of course, owed much to the American and French revolutions, which gave thinkers and artists of the time the opportunity to dream of better forms of society and to question the power structures that surrounded them. Blake's work also came out of the early Romantic tradition, and the early Romantic tradition has many interesting hallmarks. For instance, a dislike for urban life especially because of the consequences and effects of industrialization and a reverence for nature. The early Romantic period also celebrated the supernatural and the impact of emotion in life. And the movement also had a preference for the use of everyday language. And we can see this clearly in the lines of poetry we find in the Tiger. And the final point of history to note is simply this, that William Blake actually got to see a tiger close up and personal, and was one of the few people in London to be able to have early access to that experience. In the late 18th century, exotic animals were sent from far-flung places around the world to London as gifts from rulers, and they were collected together into a menagerie of exotic animals that existed in the centre of London. You can imagine this experience having a profound effect on William, 
and opening his eyes to the astounding and awe-inspiring wonder of creation and the complexity and terror of some elements within it. Now we come to one of the major themes in the tiger, and this is essentially the problem of evil. Coming from a very Christian background and having a belief in an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God, the question for Blake was, of course, how could he reconcile his understanding of a loving Christian God with the problem of evil, as seen in the tiger? Blake looks at the tiger and he sees a ferocious creature with an immense capacity to inflict damage. How could a loving God actually create such a being? And that, of course, sows seeds of doubt and questions into the poet's mind, which you can't just ignore or push to the side, because that's part of the artistic endeavour, to embrace challenges in life. It's also part of the human story, to really look at these questions seriously. So Blake looks at the tiger. And we need to reconceptualise the tiger ourselves, don't we? Because when we think about a tiger, our knowledge is coloured and saturated and warped by the documentaries we have seen. And it's not very helpful in some ways because our exposure to the tiger over the course of our lives desensitises us to the immense power and ferocity and awe that the tiger should actually inspire in us. We're kind of partially numb to this very familiar creature. Perhaps a useful point here is to meditate on the fact that Blake uses a Y instead of an I in spelling the word tiger. For us today, the Y is a strange making letter. Blake didn't intend this effect, but nonetheless, the use of the Y encourages us to look again with our critical imaginations at this particular creature in order to see it anew. Anyway, so you've got this problem of evil and how a loving God can allow the tiger to exist, and the poet wrestles with that. And like all good artists, Blake had a sense that life is not just about black and white categories. Rather, in wrestling with difficult questions and fighting it out, new understandings can emerge, new wisdom. Remember, Blake had a reputation for exploring dualities, light-dark, good-evil, love-hate, city-country, fear, courage. So he raises very interesting questions and think about it. What is a tiger's purpose? Its purpose is to kill and to inflict pain, to survive. Its purpose is to destroy that which it preys upon in order to live. How does this actually reconcile this problem of evil and what does it suggest about the nature of God? Well, it raises some very interesting questions. So one of the things that Blake may have thought about and read into this situation was this huge new idea that God created the universe with a sense of symmetry, as we hear in the poem. And in this symmetry, the tiger is burning bright. According to Blake, God orders the world, and you can see this type of ordering taking place in Blake's poetry as well. You see this symmetry in the use of opposites mentioned earlier, and the question seems to rotate around the idea of whether this type of ordering is actually a necessary mechanism. 
In other words, does it actually give an explanation to the problem of evil? You know, as an artisan and engraver, Blake would have certainly appreciated the elegant symmetry in the world around him. The symmetry between a tiger's alternating stripes, between innocence and experience, as encapsulated in his two famous books of poetry, Courage and Fear, or in the idea he saw as inspired within Milton's Paradise Lost, the idea of the fall of heaven, which explained what was considered to be a human soul at the time, as both being light and dark in nature, full of inner wrestling between the divine fallen parts of our human selves. These different extremes, these dualities existing in life and the conflict they cause, Blake saw as a powerful mechanism, as a catalyst for growth and change, and as actually existing at the heart of reality as a necessary element of creative design that helps the world to evolve and grow. In wrestling between opposites, Blake saw that there was a burst of energy in life. He considered this phenomenon a necessary one because through it, humans were able to develop virtues. You know, I don't want to reduce evil to a simplistic formula in order to somehow solve the problem of evil and explain God, whether God even exists for that matter. That's not the question here, whether you are an atheist, a theist, or an agnostic. Quick, easy answers are inappropriate to use in regards to this age-old question about the problem of evil. Indeed, this is a question that has been bothering philosophers for two and a half thousand years. Nevertheless, the point I think is to find some wisdom in the idea of wrestling. It is from doubt and tension and conflict that understanding and growth actually emerge. For if we don't have evil, how can we actually learn to practice good? We need the reference point. If we don't experience fear, how can we learn what courage is and how to be courageous? I mean, it's a very simple mechanism, but it certainly warrants our attention. The second theme I want to talk about is the idea of creativity in life and in some ways Blake's Tiger is a celebration of creativity and what good creation actually is and what it looks like. As an artist Blake understood this, he knew that the best art in some ways was intense and pushed at the boundaries. The spirit of this type of creation one could argue is expertly captured in the poem itself. The act of creation to William Blake involved four things, imagination, artistry, skill and effort. And we see all of these qualities in the poem, The Tiger. Added to this is one more ingredient. For the cost of creating provocative art is that there needs to be courage. And this is why the poem focuses so heavily on the notion to dare, to dare to do these things, to dare to ask difficult questions, to dare to create something awesome. See, we live in a world where we like to put everything in its pigeonhole, 
to order our life in order to reduce our anxiety and fear. Yet this poem is an explosion that keeps us somewhere in the middle of the anxiety, grappling and struggling with a sense of death and terror, uncertainty and awe. And that's the profound thing about the poem. This tension actually creates a sense of life and wonder. In this way, Blake suggests perhaps that the act of creation itself won't be fully honest or authentic. It won't be fully realised without bravery and the ability to dare. And for this, we need to seize the fire despite the fear. And like I've already mentioned, we also actually need evil and things to struggle with in life. In other words, Blake argues we need the tension that the opposites in our lives create as it's a mechanism for becoming fully human. In terms of creation, in the poem, Blake essentially makes God into an artist or a blacksmith working in his cosmic workshop or forge. He's like a blacksmith hammering away at the raw stuff of creation. And so the poem is very much a celebration of creative risk-taking. In terms of risk, just think about the way that Blake himself forges the tiger through hammering words and rhythms into the lines of verse. The tiger stalks through the lines of the poem, ready to pounce on the unexpected reader. There is so much that is elusive and enigmatic about the tiger that he creates on the page. So many riddles he creates in the reader's mind, questions to answers that are so hard to find. For evidence of this esteeming of the process of creation, think about the words he uses taken straight from the sort of engraver's workshop he was familiar with. The word frame and the idea of framing would have been commonplace to Blake the artisan, just as would be the words furnace, anvil, hammer and chain. This is all language that characterises and affirms the process of creativity and the pressurised hardworking conditions that invariably bring a new creation to life. Then in terms of creativity, really, if we go deeper, we can start to unpack the divine associations that Blake has placed within the poem. Think about the regular rhyme scheme, the A-A-B-B-C-C-D-D order of rhymes, which imposes this order and again reinforces the symmetry of creation, reflecting Blake's belief in an all-powerful God with a definitive plan. The idea of order from chaos. Think about the form and how the symmetry is also reflected in the similar opening and closing stanzas. Think about the link to the symmetry, for instance, in the tiger's stripes and the alternating rhymes that echo this pattern. Think about the strong, regular and ordered rhythm in the poem. Much of the poem is actually written in trochaic stressed unstressed lines. Tiger, tiger, burning bright. What the hammer, what the chain. This mimics the hustle and bustle of a workshop and the hard sounds of a hammer beating down on metal. It's really in your face, it's alive with sound. Then occasionally there is an iambic line of unstressed stress syllables in a line that mimics a heartbeat rhythm, such as in the line, And when thy heart began to beat, what dread hand and what dread feet. This iambic rhythm perfectly matches the moment of apprehension that comes with the birth of new life, life born in a workshop. Combined, the rhythms give the poem an intoxicating complexity and sense of propulsion, moving it forward. Next, think about the mostly end-stopped lines of punctuation. This punctuation reduces the flow of the poem, 
the start-stop pattern, creating a sense of intense pressure with little release, like the pistons firing in an engine. Again, like a workshop running at full hum. Then also think about the symbol of fire and its link to the fires of one's imagination. Imagination itself portrayed as a kind of intense and miraculous fire from which things are created if the creator is courageous enough to seize the fire. This mirrors Blake's life as he was commonly seen as a madman driven by visions and living on the periphery of society. His passion was for trying to build a just world out of the terrible injustice he saw around him. Experimenting, ridiculed, a risk taker, sharing in the creative nature of his beloved creator and being attracted to God for that reason. The final theme I want to talk about is the dangers of industrialization, which really connects to the historical context and which would have been very important to Blake. And you can almost feel Blake's alarm about industrialization metaphorically in his description of the tiger. Perhaps Blake is alluding here to the Greek myth of Prometheus, who deceived the gods stealing fire from them and giving it to humanity and in so doing creating disaster in the world. For this, Prometheus was condemned. This fast industrialising 18th century could be seen as a type of fire of creation itself, where factories are making monsters, just like the tiger, ready to wreak havoc and pounce on the world around them and cause mayhem and suffering and poverty to people. People then become cogs within a machine. In this way, the constant use of fire as a symbol throughout the poem could be seen to evoke the notions of the fiery depths of hell, which we know Blake was very interested in, and that he witnessed around him in London as the Industrial Revolution took place and unfolded. And interestingly, we know that Blake actually illustrated some of the work of Milton in Paradise Lost, and that this reinforced his fascination with hell, which he saw in the industrialization of London. To finish, I want to leave you with a few points to bring our discussion to a close. Blake believed in a Christian God who created the world where a full range of possible experiences exist for his human creations, where good and evil, suffering and compassion, as well as other opposites, work on humans to forge them into something new. Indeed, the poem suggests that the capacity today to dare, to have courage, is only possible in the presence of fear. Blake came to believe that a lot can be explained by what he saw as a necessary mechanism in life that consisted of binary opposites. For Blake, the poem also points to the limits of human understanding. For him, humans shouldn't pretend to know everything about existence but should dare to explore the world through their experiences. 
of course, it can be sometimes scary to embrace this challenge, to see things like suffering as a hammer, bending us into instruments of love. However, in a time when science today often claims that everything can be known given enough time, it's kind of sobering and refreshing to hear the wisdom of Blake in these words of poetry echoing down the corridors of time because he challenges us to at least attempt to retain and acknowledge that we live with limitations as human beings. We need to practice humility, to always leave room to be awed by the mysterious world around us. And added to this, he points to the dangers of a world of exploitative industry and the problems that it brings. Now it's time for me to finish up this rather long episode. Who would have thought such a jingly and musical poem would be so deep? Of course, if you want to access more resources about poetry, you can visit our website at www.litpoetry.com. A video of this poem is also available on our YouTube channel. We'll finish by listening one more time to the poem. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time. The Tiger by William Blake. Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? In what distant deeps or skies burned the fire of thine eyes? On what wings dare he aspire what the hand dare seize the fire? And what shoulder and what art could twist the sinews of thy heart? And when thy heart began to beat, what dread hand and what dread feet? What the hammer, what the chain, in what furnace was thy brain? What the anvil, what dread grasp? dare its deadly terrors clasp. When the stars threw down their spears and watered heaven with their tears, did he smile his work to see? Did he who made the lamb make thee? Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night, what immortal hand or eye dare frame thy fearful symmetry. You've been listening to the Lit Poetry Podcast, presented by James Laidler. For more podcasts, poetry videos, and other useful resources, visit our website at www.litpoetry.com. Thanks for listening.